The message you're about to listen to is from the Household of David Higher Ground Conference 2022, themed The Sound of Trumpets. We believe that this message has been inspired by God to take you to higher ground. Be blessed as you listen. We bring up this morning all the way again from the city of Abuja. Apostle Mike is out to welcome him. Can we appreciate this servant of God? Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wow, that was powerful. When God's servant told me he was rounding up when I come out, I wanted to stay there for some more and listen. What a blessing. Thank you, sir. Truly an honor. This morning, I'll be sharing very briefly because um, an elder is coming in who is a, a grandmaster on this subject, Pastor David Oboili. And so, <laughs> when he comes... I will sit down because me, I also want to receive. I want to learn and I want to be blessed. So at any point he walks in, my message will stop. Any other thing I need to say, he will communicate it. Either in words or in spirit. <laughs> Praise God. Again, we are honored to have our father and mother in the house. Can we celebrate God's servant? Pastor Shola Shuma Kinde. Mama, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here to share in the name of Jesus. Precious Father, thank you for what you've started this morning. Even as we continue, we ask that you bless us, cause our hearts to receive, and help us to be transformed thereby, that your name may be glorified. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Please, you may be seated. Ah, 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 ah. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for bringing us into fellowship. Thank you for opening our understanding to know you, to love you, and to walk with you. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name. Praise God. This morning, yesterday, I wanted to give perspective and establish boundaries and coordinates to guide our navigation but somehow maybe the prayers that went up 
You know, the Bible said the prayers of the saints are sent to heaven as others. And they are stored up in golden vials. And so when God wants to bring administration on the face of the earth, he fetches from that prayer. And so there are times when you have your plan because prayers have gone up. God has the legitimacy to override your position. So I'm sure much prayers went up. Even though I wanted to share casually, I was hijacked. And God had to invade us through his bodies. But this morning I will share casually. <laughs> I just wanted to share a few things to give us a scope, an understanding, a broad spectrum understanding of certain emphasis that will not just give value to our lives on the face of the earth, but it will also give us value even as we transit to the realm Satana. Because it will be a tragedy to have walked the face of the earth for a long time and return to eternity and discover you are naked. And like God's servant was sharing, the value of what we do, revival, it's not primarily a message, it's a life. And I mentioned that yesterday, if you are living righteously, even if you sing, revival can begin. If you preach, revival can begin. If you dance, revival can begin. Because the testimony of that life flows like a river. He spoke concerning Jesus in Acts chapter 1 verse 1. He said of all that he both began to do and to teach. So it is your doing that authorizes your message. If the doing is not there, your message will just be a display of oratory or scholasticism. And that does not have the power to touch the heart of men. When the disciples preached, the Bible said men were pricked in their hearts. They were not excited in their brain, their hearts. There was a cutting. And that resulted in a global revival that affected the then world. And so this morning, I just want to carry us through a journey that will bring us to that climax where repentance is not just a requirement, but it becomes a law. Because as you journey with God, there are realms you get to that you stop dealing with God just at the frequency of his mercy. There are realms you get to where God deals with you as a judge. Because God is not just a father. There are many offices he occupies in the spirit. God is father and God is also a judge. As a father, his benevolence compels him to deal with you liberally in mercy and forgiveness. But as a judge, his righteous nature will not let him. And so we begin our journey with God as a father because we are born children. But as we grow into maturity, at one point or the other, we will meet the judge. And when we meet the judge, that's when inheritances are given. And in the corridor of inheritances, there's no mercy there. It's righteousness that prevails there. And so if a Christian does not journey on this path, his end may not be what he or she expects. That is why God brings messages like this in the name of Jesus. And so since it's a gathering for sounding the trumpet, we said the first thing that happens when trumpets are sounded is a solemn assembly where the body of Christ is summoned to the place of repentance. Afterwards, God can continue to do other things, distributing gifts, empowerment, and all of that. Because in this conference, there will be sessions where healings, miracles, signs, and wonders will happen. There will be sessions where impartations of graces of various sort will be granted and men will go from strength to strength. But it's always important to begin from the place of repentance. And so let's take our journey from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 4. Paul made mention of the word gospel many times in the Bible. But there were four things Paul highlighted as tokens of the gospel. And when the gospel is fully apprehended and articulated, these four things will become our reality and our experience. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, from verse 3 to 4, he said, For I deliver unto you first of all which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 
Then he went further in verse 4. And he said he was buried and he rose again the third day according to scripture. Now, when you study the New Testament, you are going to discover that the apostles of God oftentimes will tell you they preach Christ and him crucified. Now, what Paul was giving to us here is the pathway to actualizing the articles of the gospel. The death opened us up to possibilities. The burial opened us up to possibilities. And the resurrection opens us up to possibilities. And so when we are preaching the gospel, classically speaking, it's not necessarily the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It is actually the things that the death, the burial, and the resurrection brings to us. Because if you don't preach the death, the burial, and the resurrection, those things cannot come. So in classical terms, the death, the burial, and the resurrection is not the gospel, but it is the doorway that opens you up to the reality of the gospel. And so when Paul began to talk about the essence of the gospel, there were few tokens he revealed to us. And until these tokens are domesticated by believers, the death, the burial, and the resurrection will be a story. It will be history to them. And so if you go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for example, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He now went to define the gospel. He said, for it is the power of God. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. So the good news of the gospel is the power that provokes salvation. And so if you have not interacted with the power that brings salvation, you just went through a history class. Praise God. That was the first article Paul revealed to us. Now, the second article Paul revealed to us about the gospel is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. Paul was speaking. Now, this is a technocrat. In fact, he was bold to call himself a wise master builder. You don't say such things until there are proofs of your apostleship. Because when you meet Paul, the sign that he was an apostle is not in a title. It was in the quality of men he raised. He said, you are the proof of my apostleship. And he went further to say, I demonstrated before you all the signs of an apostle. All the signs. There are few people in scripture that use the word all when defining context. He said, all the signs of an apostle. He also went further to say, Paul, Paul, it's a strange man. Let me allow Paul for a while. How do you talk like that? He said, I communicated to you the whole counsel of God. How do you know the whole counsel? Do you know the whole counsel? The Bible said, his ways are past finding out. There is no searching of his understanding. What depth did you go to? Because he was a builder. He will shape you from foundation to roof. And he will be a perfect man. That's why he said, all scriptures are given by the inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. That the man of God may be complete. So you can train somebody and he will be complete. <laughs> That's a poor. You will be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good works. This is what made them apostles. They had tools in the spirit. They had tools. They can bring out the glory of God in your life. And so he said the first article of the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. There are many people talking about the burial of Jesus. There are many people talking about the resurrection of Jesus. But experientially, they've not touched the power of salvation. They are still slaves of sin. So they don't know the gospel. The second thing Paul said is in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. He said that life and immortality has been revealed. He said, but I have made manifest now concerning Lord Jesus did by his appearing, the appearing of, of our Savior Jesus Christ, who had abolished death and has brought to life, has brought life and immortality 
through the light of the gospel. So the three things that it defined here was number one, death is abolished. Number two, life has manifested. And number three, immortality has manifested. And so Paul was talking about the gospel, that it is the power of God, it is the life of God, and it is the economy of immortality being communicated to a person. And so when a man receives the gospel, he receives the life of God, he receives immortality, and he also receives the power that brings salvation. And consequently, death is abolished. If that happens to you, he said you have received the gospel. But you see, he had to show us a route because it takes a journey to arrive here. You can listen to an evangelist and believe in Jesus and receive salvation into your spirit. For you to work out your salvation, it will take establishment in truth. This is where Paul was walking from. Not just the fact that you have received a deposit in your spirit, but you are now working it out. You are working out power. You are working out life. You are working out immortality. And some of the things God's servant shared, that blazing righteousness, that righteousness that is as bold as a liar, is a power working out of his spirit. This is not a resolution. Because when you see the fire, you will run from Pharaoh. Unless there is an economy on your inside that powers you. Let me tell you, when these people threaten you, it's not a joke. They will deliver on it. I've been in a school before where the owner of the school came to me and said, you are teaching chemistry. He said, tomorrow is work. What we do here is that they bring the question paper out, you solve it, and they give the answers to the student. Because they also call such places Miracle Center. So when work is closed, the people come from all over because they are sure they will pass. Not because they know, but because somebody who knows will provide the answer in the exam. They don't want to know it before the exam. They just want to write it in the exam and go away. And they don't want to know it after. <laughs> and I thought it was a joke. I said, no, I'm a pastor. I don't do this. <laughs> after one week, I left the school. Because they don't, it's not a bluff. And I didn't have savings anywhere. Imagine you are earning 25,000. What will you save? I was stranded for months and God said nothing. And I went to the next school and confronted the same thing. And I knew this time that God will still say nothing. There has to be a power in your spirit. So when Paul said, it is the power of God unto salvation, he knows what he's saying. There are many times when for standing for truth, you will be stranded for five years. But you will not bow because there is a power. If that power is not there, they told you history. You didn't have the gospel. The gospel, he said, is the power of God unto salvation. But for this reality to be routed into your spirit, there is a technology. And that's why Paul began to teach as a wise master builder. And every other apostle followed this pathway, which I want to show you today. The technology of bringing the gospel into your spirit. And the first of that order is the ability to reveal the love of God. Because when the love of God does not appear to you, you will not stand for God. The love of God is what makes it possible for a man to go through hell for God. Because Paul said, the love of Christ, he said, it constrained us. For we thus judge that if one died for all, they that live, 2 Corinthians 5.14, should no longer live unto themselves, but for him that died for them. And as a wise man, he taught us the love of God from three dimensions. The first dimension he taught us the love of God from is what God saved us from. You know, if you don't know what God saved you from, you can trivialize it. If they gave you a house and with certain rules, for example, that don't use light, don't use matches here, and then you thought it was a joke and you used matches and suddenly the whole house is burnt off. And the person who gave you the house comes back and says, no problem, I will replace it. You may just walk home and say, that's a serious mistake. 
I use matches. You won't know what happened. Maybe if they come to you and tell you that the air conditions in the house alone is what? $50,000. And then they tell you the roofing of that house is $300,000. You will now become alive to the blunder you committed. If you don't know the cause, so you may just assume, ah, why did I own the matches? Well, a new house has come, so let's go and enjoy. So the, the way Paul needs to show you the love of God is to open your eyes to what you were saved from so that you will know what you would have paid if you were demanded to pay. Because if your eyes are not open, you can take it for granted. That's why Adam thought he ate an apple. He didn't know what it meant. He thought it was an apple. But the ancient spirit that came to negotiate with him knew what he was setting him up for. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 11, the Bible said, knowing the terror of God, we commend men to repent. There is such a thing called the terror. The terror of God. And nobody in creation has the capacity to withstand the terror. And so the first way the love of God is revealed to you is to show you what you were exonerated from. That's why when John was carried to heaven, they opened one of the chambers of eternity for him to see what the terror of God looks like. And the Bible said in Revelation 20 from verse 11, he said, I saw a white throne. And he said, the moment that white throne appeared, he said, him that sat upon him, the whole earth and heaven fled away. They found no place there. You know, Paul made this statement casually somewhere and he said, God dwells in light, unapproachable. There is an energy around that throne. And so when you interact with that immortal spirit, that monarch that dwells on a throne, unapproachable, you, one of the things you will perceive is his vengeance. And so he said when he appeared in his glory, he said heaven and earth fled. Even the angels that thought they knew him, when the full dimension of his judgment appeared, angels too fled. And he said, he said something. He said, if your name is not found in the book, he said something will happen. You will be cast into the lake of fire. And that lake of fire does not burn to consume. It burns to torment forever and ever. He said, even those that died before, who thought they escaped, he said that we extract them from Hades. That means they, what, you, what you go through before that time is a waiting. He said that we extract them and cast them into that lake of fire. He said those who were drowned in the sea, he said they brought all of them out because there's no hiding place. There is a sensor that we go around all of the universes of God across time, across civilization. And everybody who is trapped in the vengeance of God will dwell in the lake of fire forever and ever. And so when you see what the consequences of sin that God decided to save you from, one thing that will happen to your heart is gratitude. The reason is because when you check yourself, there's nothing you would have done to save yourself. And so Paul said, why we were yet sinners? He said, Christ died for us. That means why we were helpless, only qualified for judgment, and the terror of God, he said God extended his benevolence by procuring salvation for us. On the strength of this revelation, something happens in your spirit, man. Love for God is activated. And he said the way you show that love is not by singing a hymn. He said the love of Christ constrains us. That love constrains. He said for we thus judge that if one died for all, they that live should no longer live for themselves. The reason is difficult for us to love God is because we don't know what was done for us. So the first way to route, I'm, I'm going to be beating time, so I won't overemphasize things. The first way to route the love of God is to reveal to humankind what it was saved from. The second way to route the, the love of God is to reveal to humankind what was done for salvation to be available to him. That's what we call the finished works of Christ. And so in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, he said he made him that was without sin to become sin for us, that we may become through Christ Jesus 
the righteousness of God. You will read that statement and read it like a verse. Because you may not have taken time to contemplate how a God that is sinless in all eternity suddenly will carry sin upon himself. So Paul will have to teach you what it means. It's just like you degrading yourself to go and live among the pigs so that you can save a pig. The first thing you need to understand is the way men think is different from how pigs think. You know what pig, what a pig costs for is to go and enjoy the mud. Now, the mud where the pig baits, you can't stand it. Can, can you imagine? Now, a pig is a wanderer. Sometimes you are sleeping at night. You are hearing somewhere at the backyard. Oh, oh, oh. A pig is at work. <laughs> so, you will now begin to imagine what it means to move from your bed, your cozy bed, under the blanket, and begin to roam about in the night. Ho, ho, ho. Naked. You will now begin to imagine coming out of the shower and beginning to shower in the mud just because you are trying to save a pig. I'm not saying man is a pig. I'm actually saying in sin we were worse than pigs. And so when he said he made him that was without sin to become sin for us. You know Jesus said the words I speak they are spirit and life. And he said something. He said the flesh profits nothing. At least a pig is what a meat. But the fallen man, he said, he profits nothing. And so when a God took sin upon himself, it means a God made himself to become worthless. That's what he's saying. The Almighty. Let me say something. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5. Look at the robust protocol that was outlined. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, taught it, taught it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, what he tried to capture in that verse is the excellency of the monarch of Zion. Now, if you look at the credentials of God, the excellency and the power of God, in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, you are going to see a few things revealed by God, revealed of God. The angels have been in heaven for aeons. No one has been able to look at him. Because of the brilliance that comes out of him. The Bible said God provided 24 thrones for 24 elders. He said, but they, were, they have never been able to sit on it. Because when God appears, they fall on their faces. They cast their crown. Now, nobody speaks. But the moment the majesty of God appears, they advise themselves that it's not right to sit when he appears. And they don't just stand. He said they fall on their faces. And they cast their crown. In the realm of the spirit, what makes you a king is your crowning. Because the, the crown is the final ceremony of the endorsement of monarchs. And so what he's saying is that every other monarch on the appearing of God dethrones himself. Nobody tells you anything. You tell yourself that no king exists in his presence. The power and the glory is too much. And you don't just dethrone yourself. You can't look at him. That's the, the monarchy. That's the splendor. That's the glory. Even among men, Ezekiel said, in the 30th month, in Ezekiel chapter 1 from verse 1, in the 40, in the 30th year, on the 4th month, in the 5th day, I was among the captives by the river Kaba. And he said, I saw visions of God. And the moment he saw him, he said, he fell like a dead man. Everyone who saw him fell like a dead man. When John saw him, he fell like a dead man. When Daniel saw him, he fell like a dead man. Because the glory of God is brighter than the sun. And the majesty with which he comes, no mortal can accommodate it. And the Bible is telling us in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, that that is how Jesus was. But on account of the desire of God to save you who is worth nothing from sin, he decided to take off himself the garment of divinity. He hung it in the spirit and he went further. He took over. Imagine for a second for our president to come and say, okay, it looks as if there are a few things 
I am not able to do so. I just want to come down. Let somebody else go there. Not even president, even a class monitor will not relinquish authority because of the affi affinity to power. A class monitor, I'm not talking, there's no money attached. Just the feeling that you are the class rep. You come in and tell everybody, sit down and give announcement. A class monitor will not relinquish power for the benefit of others. That's the affinity. Then to talk about the power that, that carries the highest glory in existence. He said Jesus stripped himself of that garment. And this is what he did. Go further. Philippians 2 from verse 6. Paul is trying to show you the love of God. The love of God. The love of God. And he said, being the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And he went further. He said, but he made himself of no reputation. Do you know what people do to keep their reputation? Accuse a man wrongly. You will end that case in Supreme Court. He can spend all that he has to vindicate himself because your name is everything he said he made himself of no reputation he took the form of a servant so even when he came among men he didn't take the status of the most glorious because he had to be the worst of man to qualify to save the worst of man so in baptism he identified with our sin on the cross he identified with our sinful nature he became the worst of man in order to save the worst of us all and he said he was made in the likeness of man and he didn't stop there he went further in verse 7 and he said being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself that means he was not being compelled there was something motivating him his love he couldn't see you go to Hades he could not see you go to hell. He could not see you go to eternal torment. Just in case you are not aware, it's a realm of gnashing of teeth. He said he can't stand you suffering that kind of torment for all eternity. So he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. God, who is the author of life, decided to taste of death. How can death? Because life conquers death. So what did God do that make him to endure death? It means he suspended the powers of life and made himself vulnerable to death. And he said he didn't just die. He died the death of a criminal. He was hung on the cross naked and men looked at him and he said when they saw him there was no glory. So what he did was that every iota of glory that he ever had he emptied himself of it and he became the worst of men. When you look at him all you can see is despise. He said there was nothing in him that he should be desired. How can a God walk among men and there is nothing in him that he should be desired? This is the monarch that angels cannot behold. But he decided to empty himself of glory to a point that there was nothing to be desired. When this comes to you by revelation, you will now discover that nothing you do is a sacrifice. When we say sacrifice, it's actually for a lack of word. Everything you do is called gratitude. Even if you die for him, it's gratitude. Because your life was worth nothing in the first place. He was teaching us the gospel. And he wanted to rout it through the love of God. That this monarch decided to be naked. And you would think this is just humiliation. No, it's more than that. You know why? Because he was not being humbled before his colleagues. This was creator. Suffering in the hands of what he created. I told you we've not heard the gospel. That's why we continue in sin arrogantly. Because we don't know what we were delivered from. And we don't know the price. What it cost him. That's why when you reject bride, you say you have done so much. That's why when you refuse fornication, you say you have done so much. You've not done anything. The proof that you have known the love of God is that you give your body as a living sacrifice. Paul took time to, to teach men things that is not obvious. They are not obvious. And to make it worse, till death on earth, 
more than 70% of the world have either not heard of it or they are unreasonable. Because out of a world of 7.9 billion, only 2.4 billion are Christians. And out of these 2.4 billion, over 30% of them have not even started being Christians. So, till you date, he's still sitting in heaven and he's seeing that what he died for, the world have not received it. He said he came unto his own. His own received him not. Even though the world was made by him, the world knew him not. He came unto his own. After dying on the cross naked, the world still have not realized it. That's why he sent us out. And even we that are sent, we can't go out. Sometimes you can't dance, you can't sing, you wail, you wail. Because when you perceive the economies in the spirit that cause you to stand, ah, you ask yourself, and of the truth, you are not worth the sacrifice. It is for the love of God. If not for the love of God, I tell you the truth. We are not worth the sacrifice. It is love that compelled him to empty himself of glory and to accept the place of shame to restore you. What are you worth in that realm? He decided to make you worth himself. He said you were bought with a price. So on account of his love, he humbled himself to a level where you become what is worth buying. But the world is here to discover. So the second way to route the love of God is by showing us what he did for us. And then the thought, which is the cap of it all, is that you that was worth nothing, he decided to glorify. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to verse 30, the Bible said, he whom he foreknew the same he predestinated and he said him that he predestinated the same he called him that he called the same he justified and he that he justified the same he glorified so he took your place so that you will take his place he took death so that you will take life he took shame so that you will take glory he took pain so that you will take gain what manner of love is this that's why John exclaimed. He said, what manner of love is this? What manner of love is this? That we should be called the sons of God. Men that qualify for nothing. Men that deserve nothing. All we deserve was the judgment of the ages to come. But he decided to take the place of shame. So that you can taste of glory. Not because you did anything right. But because his love compelled him. These are the foundations of the gospel please be seated we honor our father pastor david Oboeli. and so the first article of the gospel is the experiential revelation of the love of god and the love of god it's not something you stumble upon. You will be taught it. Precepts upon precepts. Lines upon lines. And the first way you come to understand the love of God is when you know what you were saved from. He said, knowing the terror of God, we commend men to repent. There is a lake of fire awaiting every man that have not received of the love of God. If you don't know what you were saved for, from, you will not embrace the love of God. And the second way to know the love of God is what it took for you to be saved. That the God of glory decided to die the death of a criminal. Excellency in majesty. Angels could not behold him. Kings in the spirit dethroned themselves just to show his relevance. Said so the 20 and 4 elders, they fell from their thrones. They cast their crown without soliciting for it they dethrone themselves we can't be kings where you exist 
but with that level of glory he decided to strip himself of glory he took the likeness of a man took off reputation from himself and died the death of a thief and as if that is not enough after he justified you he decided that you too will taste of glory when you come into this understanding the love of God begins to flow from your spirit like water and the sign that you have known the love of God is not that you sang a song he said the love of Christ constrains us for we thus judge that if one died for all then they that live should no longer live unto themselves but for him that died for them and so the testimony of the cross is an attempt of God to unveil to a generation the liquid love of the father that's why I say for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but to have eternal life the second article of the gospel that Paul revealed to us is life and immortality the first article of the gospel Paul revealed to us was the love of God and he routed it through the finished works of Christ on the cross the second article is life and immortality and the reason is because you cannot function in the God class unless you have the God life functioning in the God class is not a product of training it's a product of betting because if you are not born into that reality you cannot participate in that ecosystem he said except a man be born again he cannot perceive the kingdom you can't interact with the kingdom it is new birth that qualifies you to operate in the ranks and in the class of God no matter how well you train a baboon a baboon can never become a man because what eternal life comes to do is to give you a right to participate in the realm of God and participating in the realm of God is not just to hear him and see him that's part of it participating in the realm of God is to make you an heir of the kingdom you become a joint heir with Christ so that what Christ has you also have and so when the gospel the light of the gospel is unveiled men that have received the love of God suddenly realize that their existence have been heightened because what dethroned you from that realm was a corruption that came into your spirit remember when man fell when man died two things happen because when you study the scriptures there are two definitions of death the first definition of death is separation from god that's why genesis 2 17 he said to the man when you eat of this fruit you shall surely die and when the man did eat in genesis chapter 3 the bible said god drove him out of the garden because death is separation it is not cessation of life nobody will end we all came from the breath of god and because you came from the breath of god you can't cease to exist what animated you is forever and ever so death is not cessation is separation and then the second definition of death is corruption that's why you became a mortal mortality means corruption that means the essence of god is no longer part of you you no longer sustain the dna of god and so when the light of the gospel shows up like paul said in second timothy 1 10 he said he brought life and immortality to bear the first phase of that operation is regeneration in regeneration god puts his life in your spirit and so the spirit that died is reawakened to the realm of god the second operation is transformation in transformation what god does is that as you interact with the word of god the word of god begins to edit your soul and the things that are not of god that you pick from the word because when you interact with the word and other spirits they impart their nature and their way to you remember when man was created he made man in his image and in his likeness that is nature and character ways of existence when we interact with other spirits and the world system what spirits are interested in doing is to put their nature and their ways in your mind so what you call glorification or worship is not a song what you call worship is the ability to reflect the spirit 
when you begin to reflect the spirit you are worshiping that spirit so a madman is worshiping the spirit of insanity because of that nature the character is compelled to conform and so in the gospel what the light comes to do is to change the corrupt nature to regeneration which is the washing by the spirit and then to transformation which is the editing by the word of god and finally through mortification which is the holy spirit suspending the propensities of your flesh so that you can walk with god but god doesn't stop there because transformation is not enough mortification is not enough mortification still keeps you in the realm of mortality but it brings restraint to your propensities what god is looking for is a perfect man he said be a perfect matthew 5 48 as your heavenly father is perfect god does not grow older so what he's talking about there's no maturity it is to attain the state of no corruption and so the way god does it is that he said in the twinkling of an eye by the blast of the trumpet he said we will be changed but for you to qualify to be changed you must first of all walk in cooperation with the holy spirit until the flesh is mortified that's when you can hear god because the same way you hear the voice of god now that's how you hear the trumpet if you don't know the voice of god now when the trumpet sound you will not hear make no mistakes about it you don't hear the trumpet because you are born again you hear the trumpet because in addition to being born again you walk under the government of the holy spirit because he said they that are led by the spirit they are the sons of god the same way the voice of god leads you that's how you hear the trumpet and so you have to walk in mortification and in transformation to qualify for glorification he said we see in part we prophesy in part he said but a time will come when we will be made perfect and we will see all things that's when the soul is completely saved but for your soul to attain that level where you will be the veil will be removed is as you walk with the holy ghost and the word now in transformation so when god sees that work when the end comes he will now open your soul to his reality and so the second thing paul revealed in the gospel is life and immortality immortality not referring to deathlessness but immortality referring to a state of no corruption that's why i said you have come to mount zion in hebrews chapter 12 from verse 22 the city of the living god to an innumerable company of angels to the just of all and to the spirit of just men made perfect those who receive regeneration walk under the government of the holy spirit and the word for transformation and also walk in the fear of the lord for mortification when they cross time into eternity he said an economy is activated the veil is lifted and the soul is perfected the body is changed and the body is transubstantiated and so when life and immortality plays its full course three things will happen regeneration perfect transformation and absolute transubstantiation because this body cannot inherit the kingdom that's what paul said the gospel comes to reveal if these things are not happening then what we heard are stories and then the last thing paul said the gospel reveals to us is the righteousness of god in romans 1 16 and 17 i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ it is the power of god unto salvation to everyone that believe they say hearing is the righteousness of god revealed from faith to faith righteousness therefore is not just a nature we receive righteousness becomes a power that works out the life and the protocol of god's will and counsel the deception that goes around the body of christ today is that if you have the nature of god nothing you do matter that is a joke you know god from his benevolence but your knowledge of god will end in his judgment when you study the scripture and you begin to understand glorification you are going to discover something strange you may not be a sinner 
but the heir, so long as he's a child, is not different from a servant. God may have forgiven you, you fornicate, you ask for forgiveness, he forgives you. You lie, you ask for forgiveness, he forgives you. He will keep forgiving as you repent. But the truth is that you are a child in the kingdom and nobody gives kingdom to children. And if you study the Bible, everybody that keeps sinning and repenting is called a child. John chapter 2 verse 1. I write unto you, children, because your sins are forgiven. Why? You have an advocate with the Father. First John 2 12. I write unto you, children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Not a son. Not a father. When it came to sons, he said, I write unto you, young man, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. When he wrote unto the fathers, he said, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. These ones are joining in immortality. They are no longer falling and rising. Forget the garbage that they tell you nobody is perfect. It's a joke. That's why we no longer contend for immortal things. That's why we no longer fight and press for things that are divine. And the Bible said if you have not resisted to the point of blood. Because there is a place where you fight against this with all that is in you. And you will only take that disposition if you have been taught. And so righteousness is the power of the spirit that causes a man to walk in the full regalia of salvation. That's why I say I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Herein is the righteousness of God revealed. Our generation is weak because we have doctrines. We have messages. We have packaging. But there's no righteousness. Garments are stained. And when we show up, we talk about the nature of righteousness. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, he said, let no man deceive you, little children. He said, him that doeth righteousness is righteous. Him that doeth unrighteousness is unrighteous. And he said in verse 10, herein are the children of God distinguished from the children of the devil. We do righteousness and we love the brotherhood. So there is a place of nature and there is a place of living. Titus 2 verse 11, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men teaching us teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly loss we live righteously and soberly in this world so righteousness is not just a nature it's a nature that begets a life i am not talking just because i was taught to talk i'm talking because it's the nature of man to talk and so if i'm not talking then i'm sick and so if you find a generation living in sin and calling righteousness a nature, that's a sick generation. And when righteousness is consummated, the proof is power. That's why Paul said the power of salvation is worked out in righteousness. The power of salvation is worked out in righteousness. And when you read the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, everybody that wrought something great that God reckoned had the regalia of righteousness. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 3 and 4, Samuel stood up and said, raise an allegation against me. If I have stolen from any man, if I have erred against any man, if I have offended any man, the whole congregation of Israel said, you have not erred against anybody. And Samuel made a statement in verse 11 and 12 on the strength of this righteousness he said this is dry season this is not the time of the rain he said but now i will call on the lord and the lord will send thunder and lightning and the moment samuel called upon god he started raining what was the power that opened the heaven it was not an anointing it was the garment of righteousness everyone that moved the hand of god in scripture was a man clothed with righteousness we are running with revelations we are running with messages and packagings. Good lighting, haze, creating smoke on the altar. But the glory is not there. Because the glory comes to validate righteous men. And so the fathers of old, any day, any time, they could call on God and things will happen. Because the power they had with God was the spirit of righteousness. And so I told you, 
the feast of trumpet does not begin with gifts it does not begin with impartation it does not begin with healing signs and wonders the feast of trumpet begins with repentance this is the culture of the jewish people the jewish man believes that the world was created in september and so every time a new cycle is about to start they celebrate the rosh hashanah a period of 10 days where the whole nation repents before god so that they will not miss the impartation so that they will not miss the blessings there are many people walking in fornication and then they come to church pursuing after prophets and apostles to lay hands on them for things to happen no it doesn't begin with a gift it begins with righteousness because if you don't know righteousness and genuinely repent anything god gives you will take you to hell the bible said i wish above all things that thou mightest prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper that means you don't have the permission to have anything more than you know god anything you have that is more than the knowledge of god and your commitment to god will lead you to idolatry and this is why many politicians today have turned their bellies to their god many businessmen today are worshiping mammon many pastors today are deceivers on the altar because they've pursued fame much more than the level of the knowledge of god they have and their commitment to god tonight there's a summon in the spirit a generation that will not be decorated with utterance a generation that will not be decorated with cars and positions in society a generation that will be primarily decorated with righteousness so that when they enter societies they are not going there to survive they are going there as ambassadors we need christian politicians that can hold that scepter like nehemiah and bring verdicts that will favor the righteous but if they are not righteous and we send them there they will end up with houses in the bahama islands and the body of christ and the people they represent will suffer we need sons of consolation that can sponsor visions to global scale but if they don't know the way of righteousness they will only use god like an atm machine and at the end of the day where they were seeking god for for promotion they will not even reach there anymore because before god blessed them at least they fasted and prayed now money has come prayer will become a body because they don't know that god doesn't send men out except as they become witnesses only witnesses are sent out a witness can be an apostle a witness can be a prophet a witness can be an evangelist pastor teacher politician economist but first of all he must be a witness he said not many days from now you shall receive the holy ghost and power and you shall be witnesses unto me and he said you will go to jerusalem to judea to samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth you have no right going out except as you have become a witness and a witness understands the love of god a witness understands the business of life and immortality because the law of the spirit of life is what drives him and a witness understands the place of righteousness this is the calling and this is why we have come to this mountain that a new generation will rise a generation that is like the three hebrew boys and say will not be careful to answer you in this matter a generation like esther that will say if i perish i perish that's the generation god can trust with power that's the generation God can trust with influence. That's the generation God can trust with position in society. If that does not happen, then all we do is a charade. But I know that everyone under the sound of my voice tonight, you came because you were led. You came because it's the time for your appearing. You came because it's a season where the glory of God will fall upon you because your time has come. I told you in the month of September, there will be change of God in the spirit many will rise voices will rise scepters will be given because the time is now a quick walk shall the lord do and he shall cut it short in righteousness can you bow your heads this morning this is only a charge as i prepare our hearts for what our father god's servant has to give us this morning but ask the lord i'm ready tell him to help you you are ready Mordecai told Esther, if you fail at this time, he said, God will raise deliverance from another quarter. 
He said, but it's important for you to know why God sent you at such a time as this. You are not breathing oxygen just because you are immortal. You are breathing oxygen because, like I told you yesterday, three things. God is desperate for the world to see his glory. And man is the carrier of the glory of God. You are breathing oxygen today because there is an agenda God wants to carry out on the face of the earth. And the shoulders of men bear the government of God. You are breathing oxygen today because God seeks worship and God wants to be glorified. And men are the only legal entities on the face of the earth that brings glory to God. I pray for you this morning. Your life will count. You will not fail God and you will not fail yourself. And you will not fail your generation. He said when David served the Lord according to the will of the Father he said he rested. May it be said concerning you at the end of your sojourn on the face of the earth that you serve the will of God. May it be said concerning you that because of you God was glorified. Paul said that when the church is headed they glorified God in him. May it be heard at the end of time that you represented a dimension in God. You will not vanish or escape out of this world. You will leave a legacy behind for the kingdom. The Lord himself will bless you. He will raise you up and he will cause you indeed to be a witness. God bless you. For listening to this message, we believe you've been blessed. To find out more about the Household of David, visit www.householdofdavid.org or follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Mixelar. God bless you.